0: down so hard. I'll never learn to put up a guard. So keep my love, my candle bright. Learn me hard, oh learn me right. This ain't no sham. I am what I am. Learn me hard. speak some tongue or even spit out some holy word i have no strength from which to speak when you sit me down and see i'm weak we will run And good morning and welcome to, to All Things
1: SR. Good morning, Leslie. How are you? Good morning, Pam. It's a beautiful morning in south-central Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe we're at July 10th already. And I'm I so happy. Know. I'm just so happy that uh, summer seems to be going well. I hope everybody's having a good week, enjoying a... The weekend, either the morning or for those of you over, over across the pond, the afternoon. and um, Or you're just having a good time at whatever time you're listening to us.
0: I am just hoping that I can... I'm not going anywhere today.
1: <laughs> You've been quite busy.
0: Uh, it's been a fun week. <laughs> <laughs> In more ways than one.
1: You've been quite the busy bee.
0: <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. And, uh, you know, we've been, uh, Phil had a back procedure done on, on Thursday. In the meantime, I've had my uh, brother-in-law sister Mary with me on Sunday and Tuesday all day. And she got mad at me on Tuesday because I wouldn't take her out to dinner. Even though we had spent the day traveling and out to dinner. Lunch and the whole nine yards, but anyway. But well, it, I think it it's fun.
1: because it's it's always a fun party with you, Pam. She didn't want the party to end. No, she didn't.
0: So I had promised <laughs> promise that I would take her to see uh, Space Jam.
1: There's oh a new Space gosh. Jam
0: coming out. In case yes, you're there with is with LeBron James. So I remember seeing the first one with Michael Jordan with my son. So now this mm-hmm. you know, this is very interesting. Anyway. So we'll do that, and then her birthday's coming up. So we, I've got
1: plans for her. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be fun. Yes, that's gonna I, be super fun. I, I, I made the mistake
0: or, or whatever, of making butter tarts one day, and she loved them. So she took them to work with her the next day, and I. Uh, so she asked me to make two dozen for her birthday, which is July 30th. And I have to pick her up and take her to the workshop.
1: I love then it. And
0: go in so we can all sing happy birthday with the butter tarts. I'm like, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, Pam, it's going to be great.
0: It'll be it fun. Really, It'll be
1: fun. That's going to be a super fun day.
0: Yeah. The, the staff there is really nice. They, she she goes to this place called the Creative Workshop here in, in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. And uh, these are in- intellectually uh, uh, developmental chal- developmentally challenged adults. And they are very, very creative. Um, they do pottery paintings. And Mary's CV is a who's who of New York galleries and Philadelphia galleries. So that's what we deal with.
1: Anyway. I love it. I love it. How is everybody out there doing today? I see some
0: of us have survived Elsa? Elise yes. Or whatever her name was that went through?
1: No, it was Elsa. Elsa? Okay. We, we finally let her go. Thank God. Because Thank uh, God. the remnants Thank of God. Elsa went up the east coast of the U.S. Elsa was a Hurricane a hurricane tropical storms. Mm-hmm. that dumped a ton of rain and severe mm-hmm. weather all across uh, the east coast of the United States. So, mm-hmm. yes, and, yes,
0: it's... Uh, it was uh, New York. Betty, I saw New York pictures of New York and video of the subways and a woman trying to catch a train in waste deep water.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Not funny, but
0: funny. So, yeah, it was an interesting, uh, it's been an interesting week for everybody.
1: (laughs) It has been. It has been. And I'm seeing in the chat room that uh, Monica said, just like my mom, we just want to make people happy. And uh, Betty was saying uh, she's glad she can't bake. That was uh, where her nephews won't ask her to bake them a cake, but she'll gladly buy them a cake or ice cream. It's all about having fun with the l- people we love, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is.
1: <laughs> and Monica just told me Elsa wasn't invited here. No, uh, no, no. You wouldn't want to. Honestly, there there was a lot of really heavy rain. I yes. We had some of the remnants coming through Pennsylvania yesterday, and it was like having buckets of water dumped. My uh, coworker, we left. I had a meeting yesterday in my office that I went into, and as we were leaving, the storm was starting. And he actually texted us last yesterday when he returned home, and he, I mean, he had even said, um, "I've been through hurricanes that didn't have rain like this," because Dave grew up in South Florida. Mm-hmm. And he said, did we remember to get the damned animals onto the bloody ark? Seriously, please text me to know you got home okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was very oh, severe weather, and I hope everybody's uh, survived. And,
0: and New, um, Jer- New Jersey had two uh, two tornadoes hit.
1: Yes. New Jersey. Yeah, severe. Which is
0: unusual for this area. So, mm.
1: anyway. And I see Kenzie. Good morning. She said she's been cleaning since 6 a.m. God bless you. you want to come to my house? <laughs> <laughs> she just got coffee. Much needed. I just got coffee, too, but I haven't been cleaning six, since 6 a.m. What a productive day you've had already, Kenzie. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And Monica's saying over in Portugal they're on a heat wave again. Yes, it's, it's, yeah, it's been yeah. quite the hot summer
0: it has been thank god we're um uh we're not in the uh desert of the south of southwestern united states i think they that valley had a uh temperature of 130 degrees which was i think about 54 celsius mm. and it was they, the third hottest day on record in January. on the
1: planet on the planet mm-hmm. they they said um, there was a forecast for 134, and that would have been the hottest day on record anywhere in the world. So, yeah, this heat is dangerous. Um, the SR Fox noted it's so hard to imagine how those storms are in the U.S. Here in Europe, we don't have them. We have heavy rain sometimes, but not like you in the U.S. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I think it's just obviously geography and the way our mm-hmm. weather patterns are globally, um, but. I'm be thankful that you don't have them because, um, anywhere that had severe weather, it seems like the weather patterns are getting more severe, um, as, as the years go on. Mm. Oh my gosh. And Anna said she had a bear. She says I we had a freaking bear in my agency parking lot on Thursday. Oh my gosh, Anna, what did they do? Did you have to wait it out or did you call, uh, call, uh, animal control to come and help get the bear away from you guys. That's daunting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll
0: tell you what, my sisters sometimes have sightings up by where her house is in the Poconos of Pennsylvania, wow. but it's mountains are supposed to be there. And I can remember, um, when I first moved into Nyack, there was a, a black bear running around the, around the village. Um, there were a lot on the main street there were a lot of restaurants and so the, the street behind do a lot of the trash cans
1: oh and, my gosh.
0: Uh, so it was in there quite a bit and then this one friend of mine Karen wall she was uh, looked out her living room window and she saw a bear's leg hanging out from the tree <laughs> oh my in front of goodness. House. So, yeah yeah, so that's fun.
1: unsettling I, yeah. my dad had a bear in his backyard because he lives in a, a, a bit of a more rural section. Not very far from me, actually. He's like mm-hmm. five minutes away, but it's uh, in more of a wooded landscape. And uh, the bear just wanted to get the food uh, from the bird feeder. That's all. He, he was having a feast I'll in the backyard. I'll
0: gladly take a picnic a basket with uh, <laughs> with uh, peanut butter and jelly soup.
1: Oh, my gosh. Anyway. Monica so, said they she sees wolves and foxes in her part of Portugal no beers thankfully. yeah, um, yeah it's it's crazy and I see uh, Kenzie's having the countdown till autumn and Betty's saying I'm going to try and focus on the season instead of skipping to the next one. I know Kenzie loves fall autumn though it's her favorite time I need of to. year so I need to. 74 days. <laughs> Anna noted it's in town. Uh, the bear was also in town, too. It lumbered across two streets into the park and swam across the river. The local police just watched it. <laughs> wow. Well, I, know. I guess it's, I know. it's uh, having a little summer adventure, a little mm-hmm. summer, summer road trip for uh, the wildlife. Everybody seems to want to be exploring um, after being in quarantine for so long. That's true. Um,
0: so I, I learned a new word this week. I, I've um, been trying to learn Gaelic because it's the nice. Irish language and it's not something that's done too much anymore uh, in Ireland. They, I know at one point in time they weren't teaching it at all. So I learned the new word and it is, if I can get my face in front of this thing to open it up, because, you know, God forbid my timing on closing up screens. Swinok. <laughs> oh, is what does that mean? Fox. That is a fox. Ooh, okay. So, yes. So, Duolingo and Gaelic and I are having a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> I love it. The SR Fox said uh, we uh, i live also foxes uh, besides me and sporadically a wolf but definitely no bears
0: yeah no, so. we, we, have a, we have we actually have a mm-hmm. lot of wolves around where i am because we mm-hmm. right near fairmount park and there are a lot they're coming back tremendously it's wow. i can i can remember growing up um they they were talking about the fact that they were like going away a little bit And uh, they're coming back. So I see that Annette is going on her Saturday adventure.
1: Translation. The real people of Walmart. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, we're glad you can join us uh, as you get your errands done. Um, Yes. Betty noted, we don't have bears in NYC, but we have plenty of pigeons and big rats <laughs> and ninja turtles, Monica added.
0: That's true.
1: And that says no bears here. Lots of <laughs> nutria and alligators are seen. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, <laughs> and and Kenzie noted, Betty's pigeon friend, um, yeah. well, <laughs> who's know, usually cooing in the background.
0: Bert and Ernie um, were always a big part of the household. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. Well, we have a good, really good discussion lined up today. Um, Super excited. But first, before we get into the chapter.
0: And if you notice in the, excuse me, in the background, we have the Man in (laughs) the Black Claim. And that is fortunately to have come up just in time to to say that the pre-orders for the Brazilian edition of the Man in the Black Suit have opened up from all book editorial. So it's very good news for the Brazilians. Yes. And people that speak Portuguese, even though it's a little bit different. Today.
1: Right, I don't know, Monica, is that, Monica. that even something that you would be interested in reading Brazilian Portuguese? I don't know all the differences between the two, but um, I just think it's great that Brazilian readers have a chance to read about their Brazilian heroine.
0: Absolutely.
1: And SR seemed to be pretty happy about it. Uh, I think this has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it takes a really long time to get the rights and the deals uh, figured out. So I'm and, really, you know, really I, happy to it, hear it, that.
0: It's, uh, I like the fact that, you know, he, he, he does work hard to make sure that these books get printed in foreign, other languages. So mm-hmm. that he, so he can, his universal, readers because there are a lot of them uh, can get a chance to read as well and he was mentioned I don't know if anybody ever watched, goes on Twitter and looks at Rate My, uh, rate my room, room Raider <laughs> he was mentioned Yes, he was mentioned Ooh. on Room Raider as a Canadian author so I think that was cool
1: that and is very what's cool
0: your name? gang gals. somebody gang out she's been on us tv as well as canadian tv she liked it a lot so.
1: anyway very nice very nice room raider right room raider mm-hmm. on twitter
0: I've, I've followed been following it throughout the whole pandemic because they're very funny in how they talk about the different rooms that the speakers on tv canadian tv and us tv are Set up, you know, it's like a minor chord violation, so you get a nine out of a ten. Hey, great use of a pi- pineapple maps are art, they're really funny. So,
1: anyway, <laughs> we'll have to check it out. Yes, yes, and and uh, I see that Betty, uh, Kenzie asked Betty about her pigeon's name, and her pigeon is named Beer, so I love that <laughs> very nice, and it's a duck, it, I just had to mention you. it. She named him Beer as a Joke. Um, Her Blessedness 1.0 thought it was funny. I think it's hilarious, and I love it, and I (laughs) think it's great.
0: And, yes, Kenzie, Uh, I did recommend SR's books to them because they were reading a Canadian author. The Canadian room reader, in particular, was reading an author and and pictured the book. So, hey, promotion is promotion.
1: That's right. You never know where the next fan will... Will find, uh, find SR. I found mm-hmm. SR in the waiting room of a doctor's office when I was reading a magazine and they were t- suggesting what books to read after Fifty Shades of Grey. Yep. And Gabriel's Inferno was one of the books. And that was the one I was like, yes, I definitely want to read that book. I love Dante. So, mm-hmm. um, and thank you, Monica. Monica uh, gave a little insight um she said i do have translated to portuguese um although some words tend to go brazilian portuguese as well so i don't read it in any other language than the writer's one i'm very peculiar about that i think that's a really good point too Mm -hmm. um because the writer's native language is always going to i guess best express the story Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um well, but having thing. having the opportunity to have it in other languages does make it more accessible and open to other readers who might not know the writer's native language. No, and, so. and
0: I, I can I kind point. of understand because, you know, a lot of phrases don't translate the same way as they would in, you know, other languages. So, Right, right. Or the meaning of them. So anyway.
1: Yes, as Monica says, we get lost in translation.
0: Absolutely, which was a great movie, by the way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Betty agrees. (laughs) I still haven't haven't seen it. Um, But uh, Anna said she also discovered SR as a recommendation for After 50 Shades. And Betty agreed with Monica. There are some phrases that don't translate well. It's just, mm-hmm. that's true. It's, it's, it's very And it's true. in
0: all, it's, you know, it's whatever, any language. It could be Spanish, it could be Portuguese, it could be Japanese, it could be French.
1: German. Yes. Exactly.
0: Pig Latin doesn't translate
1: well. <laughs> does it ever? Um, of course it does. I'm fluent <laughs> in it. Thank you, grandfather. Another chapter for your book, fam. Uh, I, I do want to say we also have another announcement about uh, today one of our listeners uh, Ashley is going to be uh, offering on, on her wit and wisdom on the Emmer Zoom today so if you are um, part of that uh, community uh, that that corner of our community and uh, are involved with the Emmer Zooms and even if not they broadcast them on Facebook and record the sessions so if you want to Go back catch like uh, ashley's chapter reviews uh check it out and ashley you're gonna do great yeah. i know it you know these stories yeah. inside and out and i think uh, i can't wait to hear your opinions i'm not sure if i'll be able to join you live <clears throat> uh, as it's being broadcast but i'm going to definitely watch it so congratulations on that yes, absolutely
0: and uh, also, uh, shout out to Susie Stanley's mother, Daphne. It's her 94th birthday.
1: Oh my gosh. Happy mm-hmm. birthday, Susie's mom. Yep. So great. She's one of SR's uh, biggest fans. She is. She, she turned 94. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's great.
0: Yeah.
1: What a nice thing to celebrate. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. Yeah. After having spent, <clears throat> come on, let's celebrate your 97th birthday. now. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that somebody does
1: have that. So. I think it's sweet. Yeah. So sending birthday wishes. Um, and everybody in the chat room is putting nice things out there. So we'll have to make sure Susie knows that her mom's getting lots of birthday love lots, from lots the, the SR. The All Things SR uh, listening community. Uh, so we had a birthday celebration last week and with our beloved heroine of uh our other books raven and we're celebrating susie's mom this week and we have birthday celebrations going on next week too yes we do our beloved gabriel our beloved gabriel is having a birthday on july 17th Yep. One week from today. So we and will have we'll, a
0: special, have special birthday guests, celebration. The Gabriel Podcasters, Betty, and hopefully uh, Curling, if she doesn't have too much work to do, it'll be great.
1: She'll she'll tag in. Curling, yep. stealthy like that. She'll be able to slip in and say happy birthday. So it's going to be a, a fun celebration. Um, That's
0: true.
1: I, I just think that'll be great. So July, who knew? July was a month of birthdays. I know. Betty says say what? So Gabriel? I, Gabriel? Really? really? Yep. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. And, and, uh, Monica, and Monica
0: wanted to just uh, say something about, you know, some things like angel fucker" are a little stupid in Portuguese Brazilian or even Portuguese from Portugal. You don't curse that way. It's natural in the author's tongue to hear uh, what the hell is an angel fucker. Angels don't have sex. <laughs> mm-hmm
1: hmm
0: I love it. And Miss Epiphany's birthday is also the 17th.
1: Oh my goodness mm-hmm. you share quite the you share quite the birthday with a major book boyfriend and um, so and, that'll and, be great. We'll have it. We'll celebrate your birthday too.
0: Yeah and it's also Ellie's birthday on the 17th.
1: Lots That's of right
0: birthday. Lots of birthdays coming up,
1: and as Anna says, cue the flamingo party planning. And abs- yes, and, and
0: <laughs> Betty, make sure you have plenty of special water.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Sammy's next birthday is next week as well. Mm-hmm. Boy, July and is a month of birthdays, it isn't is, it? It is, and, and Sammy is in Brazil
0: right now, so yeah, you know, which is a which is really good, a good thing.
1: I love it. And and I see Naughty Little Kitty joined us. Good mm-hmm. morning or good afternoon, good evening. Um, from whatever corner of the planet you're joining us on, we are just about to start Chapter 27, but we were sharing the fact that next week will be a special birthday edition of All Things SR, celebrating the birthday mm-hmm. of our dear Gabriel. Yes, And our special guest will be uh, the Gabriel Series fan podcasters, Betty and purling, so it's going to be. And there is always a party yeah, baby. When when they're in the house, so I mm-hmm. uh, can't wait. Um, who knows? We might even get to hear a little special uh, clip from Betty's pigeon beer. Then you so, never know. So <laughs> I think that will be great. Um, yes, the, <laughs> Ashley also noted there may be some flamingos at the Zoom today as well. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And Kenzie, I'm so excited for you. She, uh, on Gabriel's birthday, how appropriate, she may be visiting the Pompeii exhibit. Very cool. Um, but she will still try to join. We would love if you can join us. If not, you can listen um, and just enjoy and have a great time at that enjoy exhibit. That, that yeah. is very, very exciting.
0: I, I um, hear a lot about Pompeii from Phil. hmm because of well, the because of the remains that he has seen from when he was traveling in his travels.
1: Well, and so. you know, in Italy right now, my, Mount Etna is still erupting. Of course, that's the that's the active volcano um, mm-hmm. in Italy right now. So I I, I know that's been spewing a lot of ash in the mm-hmm. neighborhood neighboring communities. So I hope everything stays um, safe there, and uh, no Pompeii. Uh, no Pompeii uh, experiences going on, so mm-hmm. yes, uh, Ken Kenzie's been obsessed with Pompeii since she was little, so she's very excited. I can't wait to hear about it, Kenzie. Yeah. I'm I'm all about I'm all about that. I yeah, I'm I will definitely want to chat with you about that. Um, since I I do have a minor in classical studies, as you might know, so very excited about that. Um, So chapter 27 of Gabriel's Promise, we are at a very tense part of the book. Um, Julia and Gabriel are facing a real challenge, um, and the fact that Cecilia, Julia's uh, advisor and supervisor for her PhD, is really putting up a roadblock to allowing Julia to accompany Gabriel to Scotland. And uh, we found out in the prior chapters that a lot of this is due to her envy, as well as her fear of losing her job. Um, and she surprisingly was unsupportive. And I think that, I think that was probably one of the hardest, um, the hardest pills to swallow the hardest thing to accept because I think for so long they viewed her as a, a really true ally in supporting Julia in motherhood and academia mm-hmm. and I think this just really threw them for a loop yeah and as uh, as Ashley said all comes to roadblocks, Cecilia and Betty noted in Gabriel's mind he's at war in Julia's mind she is all about planning and trying to find a solution that is very I think true. that's I think that's a really, really good way to look at it, um, Betty. That kind of encapsulates uh, the this chapter, you know. And and yes, Ashley, can these two ever get a break? No. Um, it just seems like, but but also, it's very much like life, right? I, life isn't easy. Um, it's it's always there are always challenges, but it's it's how you work through them and around them to meet them i think is Mm -hmm. is really key and betty says in my mind when do we start decorating your house with toilet paper (laughs) (laughs) betty i love you so much that's so awesome i have experience doing that p.s so if you need someone to help you roll a house i'm your girl um we had a whole period of that in my high school years Mm -hmm. where we were all um pranking each other and uh Finding toilet paper on your trees was uh, not uncommon at that period. Yes. (laughs) So we begin chapter 27, Gabriel sitting in a chair in front of Julia asking what she would like him to do. She, you know, she really at this point is trying to figure out options. Rebecca was bathing Claire in the other room. Julia told him that Cecily would at least look at the Edinburgh courses once she gets the schedule. So that really is a positive thing. Um, Gabriel reminded her that Cecilia was not going to approve study abroad. But Julia knew she had to try. Um, Gabriel felt they should talk to Catherine. And then when Julia said no, he asked why not? Because she could offer advice. And Julia, I think rightly so, said Catherine would confront her and then Cecilia would drop her. And I think this is also an interesting, you know, having that interesting approach about Gabriel approaching this as, a, as more of a war, Julia trying to kind of figure out the problem. Um, I think also Gabriel, this is a personal affront to him, right? He thought Cecilia was a colleague and a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, he also realized that she, you know, she's treating his wife, a certain way because of something that he has achieved. And I think that really rubs him the wrong way. Um, And also, I think think her jealousy and her pettiness, you know, I think also surprised and affronted him. And yes, Betty, Paul is not so bad, Gabriel. Paul is not the enemy.
0: (laughs) That's true. That's true. I love it. But you know, I think you're right. I mean, he is approaching this as a war, and that would only him his approach to Cecilia that way would only encourage her insecurities of the position she has. Right, right,
1: right. Well, if you're if you're being aggressive, uh, the person that you're showing aggression towards is going to be defensive, and it it really tends to escalate a situation. And um, sometimes if you're trying to be persuasive, you don't want the escalation. You need to find another way. So, you know, Gabriel, uh, you know, was said that he was beginning to think it might be a good idea for Cecilia to drop her. Um, And it's fine. I actually had felt that, too, when I was reading this. Um, I was thinking, if, if she's having such an issue, uh, and this is clouding her judgment so harshly, maybe it's better. Maybe it's better for Julia not to have Cecilia as her advisor. Could Cecilia be her advisor um, in good faith? Now, or is there option, too much a conflict of interest?
0: That, that's an option I wasn't really thinking about. But it's an interesting observation that if she dropped, would it be a good thing? Right. I mean, you you we know what Julia's reaction is going to be.
1: Yeah, yeah. But and Ju- yeah, I, I, exactly. Uh, Anna says Gabriel knows how academia works behind the scenes. Julianne's still naive and thinks everyone is good. Cecilia needs dropped. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah. I mean, that could also be. Uh, I, it, she, Cecilia just is she's acting very unprofessionally. It it just is. is so I mean, I, but I mean, but uh, to your point too Anna this is not you know we're dealing with people we're dealing with human beings and and people have these issues and uh, people sometimes do let emotion cloud their their judgment and it's mm-hmm. it's tough. Betty says what if Gabriel gives up his position and gives it to Cecilia and she gives Gabriel her spot at Harvard. <laughs> I don't think she'd want to trade. I don't think so either.
0: because but yeah, And the nepotism at work there, Gabriel, Julia, and
1: Catherine. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's just the thing. Julia, after Gabriel, was like, you know, it might not be a bad idea for Cecilia to drop you. And then Julia thought it would damage her reputation mm-hmm. as well as then she really wouldn't have a dissertation director. And I'm seeing the chat comments here. Anna no Cecilia should recuse herself, um, and yes, I think uh, Cecilia is not going to. But I just think she's been unprofessional. Um, Cecilia could have arranged to find another dissertation director, and that yes. might have been a good thing. Just like Gabriel did when he found himself in a conflict of yeah. interest with with Julia. With, uh, yeah. Julia.
0: And, and the good morning,
1: morning, show. Good no morning, sleepy head. <laughs> no worry. She was sleeping so good. Hey, when you have that good sleep going, you you go for it. You can listen to us anytime. Just, uh, but I'm glad you're joining the chat. We're in the midst of Chapter 27, and uh, just talking about Julian and Gabriel's discussion on what to do next about Cecilia and about uh, going to Edinburgh. So, and you're lucky. I have four-legged creatures that wake me up at four in the morning. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. (laughs) I do not know how you do it. So, you know, when Julia was concerned about not having a dissertation director, Gabriel said, you know, Catherine would be willing to do it. And as Julia pointed out, she had already worked with her in Toronto. And she questioned how that would look for her to work with Catherine on both her thesis and dissertation. And um, I'm looking in the chat. Uh, Annette says, I agree. Uh, Cecilia should have recused herself. She should know better than anyone what pettiness does. And that's true. Betty noted, Cecilia won't help because she is determined to hurt Gabriel. And unfortunately, Julia is the best way to hurt him. That's right. I think she's definitely weaponizing Mm -hmm. the relationship there. And Anna noted, but then Cecilia would have to admit her conflict and jealousy true, very true. Um, And Cheryl just said, I would have dropped it Cecilia because she was jealous. And that's another option that they actually didn't discuss about Julia just walking away from that. I think you can do that. I'm not 100% sure, but I think there's a way that you can petition the department to get another supervisor. You can,
0: um, you can do that, but as Julia points out, that she's a little worried about doing that because how would it look if she dropped the um, endowed chair of Dante Studies?
1: Right, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a conundrum. And mm-hmm. I, I believe our friend, if I recall, from Maine, Black Lab Lady, um, says, Cecilia's judgment is totally clouded by her jealousy of Gabriel's sage lecture s- success. And, and mm-hmm. it's very true. And Kenzie noted, yes, you'd then have to file a complaint and it wouldn't look good if you kind of go against the chair. So it's halftime already it's half at the time, yes. fan podcast. <answering> After all, it is
0: Christmas month on homework this week. Yes, Christmas
1: in July. Christmas in July. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. And I. Uh, Monica's making the comment, in society, uh, it isn't relating 100% to the story, but just in general nowadays, some people are prey, some are hunters, and sexually they have interests. I mean, some wake up just to find someone to manipulate or hurt, just their thoughts today. And Monica, that's absolutely very insightful. Um, There are some people who are just out to have that power and to be... um, you know, to wreak havoc on other people's, to manipulate or to hurt, as you noted. Um, and, uh, yes, and Cecilia is not getting invited to Gabriel's birthday party. No. <laughs> um, yes, and we're now we're celebrating the Christmas spirit. Uh, next thing you know, it will be December, Kenzie okay. says, and SR Fox says, I'm a christmas through and through, she loves the halftime tune. <laughs> you know, so. I I live
0: in a house where we're right there with you. I mean, uh, I have a Christmas village sitting on top of the cabinets in the kitchen, <laughs> as well as a Christmas clock. There is a Santa hiding in the dining room somewhere, and the living room still has a few things up. And the the belt. One of the things that um, we do outside on the front porch, I have a great big bell that hangs in the middle of the porch <laughs> and that's even still there so and my sister keeps a lighted christmas tree in her bedroom all year
1: round <laughs> it's her night <nightlight>. light <laughs> hey it brings her joy i have my winter exactly tree it. i started that a couple of years ago we put a christmas tree that's lit um in our bedroom and for me it really helps with the seasonal affective uh, disorder Mm -hmm. not that I've been diagnosed with that but just the lack of daylight in uh, this part of the world during that time of year Mm -hmm. Um, having the light helps me uh, helps me get through that so yes Um, yes and Kenzie did note that for Christmas time we'll have rapture part one and then she'll be a a weeping A weeping mess so Ah, oh, the Black Lab Lady also joins your Christmas uh, celebrations here. A seven-foot Christmas tree in her sunroom re- year-round. Light it up periodically to make the neighbors wonder what we're up to. <laughs> I love it. My, my and sister yes, used, our Fox has a village that changes seasons. My sister, and, uh, had, uh, my sister used to have one, that, she, and she would change
0: the, the decorations for this specific Time of year, Mm -hmm. you know, there were hearts, there were shamrocks, there were flags, Mm -hmm. uh, there were Easter bunnies. You know,
1: (laughs) I did that at when I was when I was working for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. um, In my office, we kept our holiday tree up, and um, we we made it till the end of March, and then um, we were told we needed to take it down because of fire. Um, hazards. access, not, not just not the lighting, but the, the space and that I just told them they were not being very, um, they were not celebrating, um, the, the festive holiday atmosphere that we were creating by having, I mean, people would come and start looking at the tree. We had a super bowl mm-hmm. tree. We did all kinds of fun, creative mm-hmm. things, but anyway, um, Betty notes Paul's birthday is close to Christmas, which was another reason to love the holiday season. <laughs> um, okay, Betty. And <laughs> I know Kenzie says, "Well said, Mark." The, <laughs> that's the holiday season's difficult, but she does enjoy the lights, and um, the lights are always a really lovely part of it. So, as we go back um, after our halftime discussion and celebration. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia just pointed out that, uh, you know, Catherine already worked with her. How would it look to have both? And Gabriel said, look, it would be fantastic. Mm. Catherine's the top Dante specialist in the world. For for you to work with her on both your thesis and dissertation, you know, it'd be great. And Julia pointed out that she just really was too close to Catherine as it is. Mm -hmm. And Gabriel in you know, definitely in his war mode. Tasting like a caged tiger, just said, "Look, bullshit." Cecilia is not objective as well, and her assessment is clouded by envy. So he is also rightly so in this case, calling out Cecilia's clouded judgment and unprofessionalism. And I, I think Julia feels that she—it might be appear, it might appear for her to have a conflict of interest. And I think rightly so because of all things as well. I mean, she is um, such a close family friend. Uh, there could be a little bit of uh, question, even though her work and Catherine's reputation is above reproach. So we asked SR. Julia and Gabriel sought advice from Catherine in the past. Couldn't they ask Catherine for advice and ask her to remain discreet and not intervene? You know, because they are so close with Catherine you know why couldn't they just ask for advice and just plead? You know, I, it would. It makes sense. Yeah, and and Sr responded that Cecilia and Catherine are friends, but they are also colleagues now at Catherine's at Harvard, and there's some professional jealousy there on Cecilia's part, and she sees Catherine and Gabriel as rivals. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that it's just going to be too close. Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, and and Catherine is saying, or Julia is saying that Catherine couldn't be your supervisor.
1: Right. You know,
0: she, you know, she was, first of all, she wasn't starting till the next year. And it was, she only had a visiting appointment, but Gabriel wanted to point out that even though it's a visiting appointment, she was being brought in to supervise graduate students. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was part of her deal, but you know, and as I said earlier, well, what would it have been like if, if Julia had said dropped the endowed chair from Harvard as her uh, doctoral uh, supervisor? And uh, Gabriel, God love him, thought he she'd be look, it'd look like a bitch. She'd look like a bitch. So then, uh, She's like, well, what, ha- what happens if something happens to Catherine? She's in her 70s. And what if she decides to leave or the unsaid the un- words? And uh, Sir Gabriel says, didn't in front of her and says, Catherine is healthier than all of us put together. So we asked What? Well, why would Cecilia have a problem with Julia being so close to Catherine, one of the top Dante specialists in the world? and he responded part of the problem is julianne's vulnerability in the department the department can't compel cecilia to be her advisor and there may be worries about catherine's ability to supervise julianne given her advanced age for example when she gets ill or passes away so, so anyway julia told them it's not just the dissertation but catherine was also family and family is everything, and that is when Gabriel strikes up. Well, I'm not going to Scotland if you, if I, my family's not with me. And Julia just doesn't want him to cancel those sage uh, lectures. I mean, it's a, it's a prestigious thing he's got, so so he right. gone. And he, you know, he's given up he's given up some things for her. If you think about already. it, already. I mean,
1: right, yeah, I mean, right.
0: He's working at Boston U, which really doesn't have a, uh, romantic studies. He's in, in the religious side of, of their of the college, and uh, so that you know, so he he's willing to give up everything for her. I think,
1: but I think so, and want... and I, I I was just gonna say that looking there, um, in some of the chat comments, um. Betty had said who else could help Julia, perhaps Matthews. And I, she didn't realize Catherine was friends with Cecilia. Mm-hmm. And Cecilia's right to see Gabriel and Catherine as rivals, Anna noted. And mm-hmm. um, the 70s is still young, Betty noted. And Annette Absolutely. said, I would think the that they would be. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is now, though, truly. Yes, it's a new 50. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and Annette said, I think that they would be friends this community, in this community unless she somehow pissed Catherine off. Mm-hmm. And Betty says, Catherine's healthy. She gets vintage bottles from Willie. She will never die. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is a true statement. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, we'll have to get Willie to help her out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, um, but you know, so as I said, Gable's, you know, he's like willing to give up all this stuff for her. And, and she's like, no, you can't do it because. She's looking out for his career, too. It's, you know, she's not being totally selfish about things. And uh, Cecilia was angry and she, you know, she'd just give her time to calm down. And Gabriel's insistent that he didn't want to wait. But, and Julie then said she didn't either, but she reminded him that Professor Woodhouse's lectures at Oxford would be coming up in April and, and Cecilia was gonna be with him. And if there was a row, she thought that that might jeopardize her invitation to uh, from Professor Woodhouse. And she she just wants a little time.
1: Yeah, yeah. And he reminded her that Woodhouse was in charge, That's and right. I agreed with him in that because I think Woodhouse would not have cared if Cecilia and Julia were fighting. Woodhouse wants Julia there because he wants to talk to her about. Um, um, her her research and her opinions on Giuseppe, right?
0: On, on Feltro, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so you know, we asked us, "Why would Cecilia have a
0: problem with Julia being so close to Catherine, one of the top Dante specialists in the world?" And his response was, "So there are a number of worries."
1: Yeah, I think part. I think part of that answer got truncated, Pam. I think. Some of that was, goes with some of the things he mentioned above as well. True. About, True. yeah, about you know, her I, vulnerability and, um, I'll pull, I'll pull it up because.
0: I'm actually pulling it up uh, right now. It just takes, a, it takes time for it to show up. <laughs> okay. Know. So, um. He, he, we supported the problem is Julian's vulnerability in the department the department can't compel Cecilia to be her advisor and there may be worries about Catherine's ability to supervise Julian given her advanced age for example will she get so or passes away and then uh, he said so there are a number of worries there
1: yeah yeah I, and I think you know it, it does go back to jealousy too mm-hmm. um Ultimately, so and uh, Anna wisely notes that Julianne is not comfortable with conflict. No, um, and yeah, and I think Gabriel will lean into conflict. Um,
0: and, and he's you know he's
1: what? used to taking things on, and um, Ju- Julie, he he will he will go into the conflict. He he will be a the brawler from Southie, and mm-hmm. Julianne is used to withdrawing yeah, and protecting and, and which, herself. Which
0: is- which is common if you've grown up with an, an alcoholic parent. Yeah, you do try yeah. to avoid all conflict.
1: Yeah, and uh, Betty noted that Wodehouse is intrigued with Julia. He will do anything to get her back, so she can continue her paper. That's right. So, I agree with that. I think, I think Julian's fear of not of of losing her invitation um, is not a founded one. Um, and Kenzie agreed with what Wodehouse said. Right. So, you know, Gabriel stood up and he's frowning and as he's thinking about the situation, and he suggested that Julia just gives up too easily and people take advantage of her. And now Julia tells him, "Look, I'm not giving up. I'm simply making a power move. Live to fight another day." You know, she was trying to be smart, and she's. Frankly, she was being very strategic. You know, let, her cal- let Cecilia calm down. Let her cool off. Let her take a few days. Julia and Gabriel can kind of collect their thoughts and then go back into it, right? hmm mm-hmm. So Gabriel said, look, it's smart to fight. And Julia says, it's also smart to survive another day, regroup, confront your enemy with a reasoned strategy and get greater support. So Julia's kind of in this problem-seeking, she's going to build her coalition to uh, support her position, Um, and she's saying, look, if if we gain this greater support, then perhaps you won't need to fight. And Gabriel suggested that she was reading The Art of War, and she says, no, I've been reading feminist literature. (laughs) <laughs> Which I could totally see. This would be a great, again, another great scene for the film if mm-hmm. if they would decide to, to film book four. Um, and uh, Betty says Julia's brainstorming and she also said perhaps we need to read The Art of War. Um, and, you know, after after that, at that point, you know, Julia defending her position to Gabriel... Gabriel's anger melted away, saying that he knew better than to fight that army. Surrendering to her and her sisters. He pulls Mm -hmm. her into his arms, whispering, but only for now. Mm -hmm. Um, And she hugs him back. So I think it's interesting that Gabriel acquiesced Mm -hmm. and backed down a little bit. But he also knows his wife. And I think he... You know, again, this is showing great, amazing growth on the character of Gabriel's part, right? Because Mm -hmm. Gabriel from book one would not have any of that. He would have gone... He would have already have called, confronted Cecilia. He would have called Matthews. He wouldn't have even talked to Cecilia. He would have... Well, maybe. He probably would have talked to Cecilia, called Matthews, and then talked to Catherine, and then just he probably would have even submitted the paperwork to withdraw her from Mm. (laughs) the supervisory. (laughs) So I think he, I mean, I think he's grown quite a great deal. And, um, as uh, black lab lady said, it's Julia's choice this time around. He must respect her decision. And I think he does. I think, um, again, that shows great growth and, I, I just think uh, even even with the
0: growth, I think he gets a little frustrated at the fact that, you know, he wants to plow forward and she she's a little more reticent about it. Wants to stand back and and work things out what's right. best for her. But right. he will he will respect her for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Betty says Gabriel from Book Three would not back down from Julia. She until she would lock herself up in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he has grown, <laughs> she said. Yes. And I think, I think that's good. And, you know, we looked into uh, the reference of the art of war, you know. Uh, as Betty noted, perhaps we need to read the art of war. And in fact, Betty, if you want to read the art of war, I will be putting a link onto the chat box in a few minutes uh, with uh, an actual free version of it that you can read. Um, But we took a little look at uh, The Art of War and some history about Mm -hmm. it. Uh, It's a meditation on the rules of war that was first published in China. Historians aren't sure of the exact date of the book's publication. They believe it's around the 4th or 5th century. I have seen some dates floating around, but it's about uh, 4th or 5th century. Um, They're not sure exactly who even wrote it. Um, they long believed that the art of war's author was a Chinese military leader named Sun Tzu today. However, many people think there was no Sun Tzu Instead, they argue that book is a compilation of generations of Chinese theories and teachings on military strategy. Um, whether or not Sun Tzu was a real person, it's clear that he was very wise and it still resonates until this very day. And um, it's, it's interesting. There's a lot of different kind of fun facts about it. Um, the book actually became a bestseller again in 2001 when uh, Tony Soprano uh, the, from the television series The Sopranos, uh, HBO series, told his therapist that he'd been reading the book. After that, the book was in such demand, Oxford University Press had to print an extra 25,000 copies. So I thought that was kind of a fun little fun little yes. tidbit.
0: And I, I do have a physical copy of the book.
1: Yes. And Pam, tell us a little bit about some of the chapters. What are some of the titles, some of well, the things there, that Sun Tzu covers? He, he basically uh, breaks down the, the laying of
0: plans and waging war. An attack by strategy tactical dispositions you know armies on the march energy the weakened points and strong hot maneuvering uh, different variations and tactics terrain uh, there are nine situations an attack by fire and the use of spies He breaks down that way mm-hmm. and you know i i'm looking at the attack by what's so it's actually attack by strategy and and one of the things he mentions in there is, is that if you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of 100 battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will suffer a defeat.
1: I love, I love the plane and the helicopter. helicopter in the background. It, it's a helicopter in the background. It sounds yes. like you added that sound effect to uh, have some gravitas uh, in hey, terms you know, of talking about war. <laughs> oh it, my gosh! It, it
0: must be a police thing because that's the only kind of helicopters we get flying around our house. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you know yourself and not the enemy, that for every victory gained, there will you will suffer defeat. And if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb to every battle.
1: Very cool. There there are some famous, additional famous sayings um, from the Art of War that I will put in the chat box as well. Um, to know your enemy, you must become your enemy. A leader leads by example, not by force. Mm-hmm which I think is uh, something Julia was feeling. Right. Um, All warfare is based on deception. What is the greatest important in war is extraordinary speed. One cannot afford to neglect opportunity. There's a lot. of.
0: There's a lot. And, you know, like in Weak and Strong Points, uh, whoever is first in the field awaits the coming of the enemy, will be fresh for the light. Whoever's second in the field has to hasten to battle and will arrive exhausted. Yep. And I, I, I you know, there, there, it breaks down. They're like, there are about 20 uh, comments to every chapter in the book. So if you get a chance, take a, take a look at it. It's, it's, uh, and uh, these you know keep something on, on a serious ground, gather and plunder in difficult ground, keep steadily on the march. And if you cross the river, make sure you get away from. it.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm looking at Anna had noted that Gabriel understands the enemy. Julia does not and I think you're right on the money. Um, I had just put some of the famous sayings from the art of war from uh, website called Ducksters. This was actually a kids site, but I thought it was interesting that they had um, they pulled some fa- fast facts and fun things. So I, I listed that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also uh, putting the link in t- so you can read um, if you wish to read it um, from MIT. And Julia notes Julia's uh, Julia Betty notes Julia's like Saint Francis. She believes in mercy, which is. Uh, Very true. Very true. Um, And one of the other things uh, that we had asked SR about, because we did ask him about um, his inclusion of *The Art of War*, and I, I had said, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this isn't the only time that you have referenced *The Art of War* in your fiction. And he said, that is correct. That is correct. And he referenced it in the Florentine series.
0: You, I, in, in the shadow, it's mentioned uh, three or four times at different points of the uh, of the book. Uh, it, you know, it, William apparently shows her the book of the Age of Art of War by Sun Tzu, and she it was at the point where he was having problems within the principality, and uh, she says all things that that bad, asking all things are all things that bad in the principality. He also uh, remarks that uh, someone, Niccolo uh, Machiavelli also notes someone should have read The Art of War as he kicks a, a body, a headless body across the room, um, and you know he, S.R.S. also mentioned it in his uh, um, dedications and acknowledgments in the book, so he included uh The Art of War by both Niccolò Machiavelli as well as The Art of War written by Sun Tzu uh, to get, I'm sure, to get the vampire's ideality of what was going on within those stories. So,
1: it's very cool. It is very cool. It is something, this is one of those references that come up time and time again. And I thought it was interesting that there was these different theories because most, I always was taught that Sun Tzu was an actual living human being. So if you go online, you can see there are biographies of Sun Tzu. And I think there has been some discussion in recent years about whether or not it all was Sun Tzu's uh, philosophy or if it was more of a compilation. And um, I think it'll be interesting to see as the historians debate that and go through that uh, to try and determine exactly what um, is going on um, and what what they determine to be the truth, um, but it's it's it is something that's referenced along with Machiavelli um, yeah, in terms and, of strategy. Um, and I know in military training, uh, they're taught that they're taught as well. So yeah. I see we had a few more people join us, Kimski two thousand, as well as Shell. So hello, hello. So um, and, we're just. And- uh,
0: and talking that is, about
1: Sun Tzu, The Art of War, um, and the reference to it in Chapter 27, Gabriel's Promise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and that is pointed out that uh,
0: with SR's writing, he makes us want to read a lot of what he references be yes. the, the art of war. And, I mean, it, it, it is true. I can admit that for myself. I've read Graham Greene uh, because of him. Um, I... I I've actually picked up the letters of Abelard or Heloise and Abelard and Mm -hmm. aside from the physical book having very small print which I do my eyesight's fine but I do always have a problem with small print um the letters are really uh, verbose and, and, and you really have to break through them um So that's a little bit of a difficult read. But the story itself of how Eloise and Abelard is, you know, I I was talking about it with um, my neighbor the other day and I said, you know, it's a beautiful love story. And it really is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a lot older than she is. They meet. uh, She's got an intellect and wants to learn. And they fall in love with each other and she gets pregnant and her family finds out and so they the baby's given up for adoption he's she goes off to often and, and he they both decide that they're gonna take holy orders she becomes a nun he becomes a monk their letters back and forth are still show their great love for one another and later in life they do get to uh, to meet and that love is, has never gone away and it was actually Josephine Bonaparte who brought them, after they've passed away, they, she brought Heloise and Abelard to be buried at Pierre Lachaise in, in Paris together. Mm. So
1: it is a beautiful love story. And again, would you have uh, delved in, into it without reading? gabriel's inferno and the Mm -hmm. sr's books i don't know possibly i mean there are things he's referenced that we've read before right but Mm -hmm. um taking another look i see kenzie noted she may have to reread art of war it's been a long time sr recommends good books and she also said those are good letters very interesting cheryl noted there are so many things sr introduced me to it's it's quite true cheryl Mm -hmm. Um, And Shell said, too many people in their lives that needed to mind their own business at the time. Mm
0: -hmm. Beautiful
1: but sad, they referenced. Mm -hmm. And she agrees with you, Shell. So, um, I also had put in a PDF version of The Art of War um, from the University of Toledo. Mm -hmm. um, Or Toledo. I think this was the U.S. Because there's a Toledo in Spain, but I think this is the U.S.
0: Yes, uh, it is U.S. Um, And just publishing information the art of war is in public domain so it can be printed by anybody so we're not yes we're not trying to download any pdfs that are that could be illegal so just gonna yes
1: yes that's why I, I noted this was from the university mm-hmm. um and this is part of the gutenberg pr- project mm-hmm. um and if you look up um in the first page of this, it says, This ebook is for the use of anyone, anywhere, at no cost, and with almost no restrictions whatsoever. You may copy it, give it away, or reuse it under the terms of the Project Gutenberg license included with this ebook or online at Gutenberg.org. So, um, really good point that you made there, Pam, because I don't want people to be misconstrued by it being okay to read books under PDFs, but no. this is a spe- specifically licensed approved. Um For the public version. domain. Yeah. For a public domain. And usually, um, if anyone knows anything about copyright law, if something has been so prolifically uh, used over a certain amount of time, it does become public domain. Um, so, But this particular book, this particular translation is actually... Broadly licensed under Project Gutenberg and so it uh, te- technically is licensed for the specific purpose of sharing it with everybody mm-hmm. because it's, it's, a foundational, um, it's a foundational piece of, of world literature and had been replicated not just in recent times, but it was highly, highly read and um, shared across the ancient world as well. So it's very, very cool. Um, and, and Kenzie
0: pointed out that Abelard is a prideful ass. <laughs> I, yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think uh, at the time of the Middle Ages that he was uh, written about, um, I think that would have been very, very would have been more of a, a, a male, be- you know, male being as opposed to today. <laughs>
1: Well, what's yes, really, and Betty said it seems most scholars possess that quality coffee, <laughs> Gabriel. Yeah, you know. Again, um, you're, very smart. SR no, just has no, those uh, references. Very
0: smart. One, one of the things I'm trying to do is my neighbor Phil, um, his uh, late wife's former daughter-in-law is, a, is president of Franklin Marshall College. I think her name is Barbara Altman and she is a scholar in medieval literat- french literature and very she's cool and she is a doctor in that and so she she probably is very into this Abelard and Heloise story so I'm, I'm trying to connect with her so i can get some more information from her
1: that would be good she might if she has some insights she might even be good to Talk to about. Yeah. That. Yeah, that's what I'm so. hoping. But again,
0: mm-hmm. it, that's I that's kind of like a a long term thing, but the interesting this woman is interesting. She went to the University of Oregon for her undergraduate and got her masters and her doctorate at the University of Toronto. And uh she's also she was also uh a, a big part of Bucknell and
1: fixing mm-hmm.
0: Bucknell and making it uh more vibrant community so anyway it's, she sounds like someone definitely note. worth
1: definitely worth uh make, you know what if you do get to talk to her you should talk to, you should let her know about sr I and, and let her know about his books because i think I she might find it interesting plus if she was with the bucknell community that bucknell is a university and it's very very close you drive okay. by bucknell to get yes. to ceilings grove or not wait, till you drive by Sealands Grove to get to, to Bucknell? Get to Bucknell. Yeah. It's not far yeah. from Susquehanna it's, University. They're, they're very close to Susquehanna University. so She knows that corner of the world very well. Yes. Um, so, now, so now you know we, we've come crazy all,
0: long-term around <laughs> to our, our Gabriel trip.
1: <laughs> that's right. We might have to do another one. Yes, we will. Um, and I'm excited about next week
0: mm-hmm. as we, uh, oh. wrap
1: up today. Uh, and I do want to note that I, I love Shell's comment. Um, someone needs to write the f- about the art of peace. I totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a, I think that's a really good, uh, I, I think that would be a really good book to read. Because and I'm sure there's probably, there's a lot of, there's a lot of books out there, um, mm-hmm. about peace, finding peace and, uh, being at peace, uh, so I think um, I think that's a really wonderful thought. And uh, <laughs> we're talking about next week. Uh, I'm laughing party, at PSR Fox. She said, "You ladies make it much more fun to fold laundry." <laughs> Thank you for another <laughs> amazing podcast. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I used to do that when I was listening to Betty and Purling on the Gabriel Series yeah. Fan Podcast. I used to do my I used to do my housework listening to them and laughing out loud. Um, so Kenzie's heading um, out. We're wrapping up, Kenzie, so you're and, right on time. I'll be. She, she said she'll be back in the great white north in the autumn. Woo. So she's excited about that. That's great. Um, have a lovely weekend, everybody. We are excited for next week, as Betty noted. Party, party, party. Mm-hmm. July 17th, Gabriel's birthday. So join us next week with Perling and Betty uh, helping us celebrate Gabriel's birthday. Absolutely. So I'm going to leave us today with a little more
0: cowbell. (laughs) And don't fear the reaper, the oyster (laughs) cult. (laughs) Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.